Broadcasting live from the Arctic tree line on the plain of Kaldheim, this is Tap Tap Concede. Welcome everybody to Tap Tap Concede. My name is Grant. Joining me is Nelson. Hi there. And Cameron. Hello. And today we are going to be looking at more Kaldheim. There's been a whole bunch more stuff spoiled and released and talked about since last we spoke and we're gonna we're gonna talk about it with you or i i mean i guess at you it's it's a fairly one-sided conversation wish i could have thought of a great segue there but it's not speaking of one-sided here's what's one-sided your support for us at our patreon oh yeah smooth as a cheese grater yeah sure yeah all right <laughs> patreon.com slash loading ready run it uh, supports not only this show but everything that we do and of course this show is also brought to you by our sponsor card kingdom check out cardkingdom.com slash lrr the kaldheim presale is up and running so you can get on top of making sure that you get kaldheim into your hot little hands as fast as you can let them know loading ready run sent me button please and they'll give you a little one inch button and they are still on omnath was ejected so yeah, they did a big reveal stream for Kaldheim the other day with our friend Jimmy Wong and a bunch of folks from Wizards and a whole metal band. And they showed off a bunch of the set mechanics, and well, all the set mechanics and a bunch of new cards for the upcoming set, Kaldheim. And I mentioned at the top of the show, we were broadcasting from the Arctic Tree Line, which is one of a new cycle of dual colored snow lands, which are not only at common, but also have the land subtypes. So Arctic Tree Line is a snowland forest plains and taps for green or white. They do enter the battlefield tapped. No matter what. But that still seems pretty okay. Sweatily looking for my amulets of vigor. <laughs> yeah. Do you, before we talk about if these even seem good or what effect we think they might have on standard, when something like this happens, when they're like, we're doing a new cycle of 10 dual lands, does the naming go up the chain or down the chain? Is it like, we got to name these 10 new dual lands. We got to figure out new names for these things. Do we send that up to someone on the creative team who's so skilled and has all the knowledge of this and only they could crack this egg? Or do they punt it down to like dave the intern like <laughs> you know i was thinking about that very question graham i don't know the answer but you have to have like an encyclopedic knowledge of not only terrestrial biomes but of every other land card that has ever been printed because <laughs> they've got to be running out rhymewood falls is close close what was it thornwood falls yeah thorn yeah like they're they're exhausting this possibility space I think maybe Highland Forest and Sulphurous Mire are even more offensive. Like Sulphurous Mire is two words that are in two different Rakdos dual lands, Sulphurous Springs and Bloodstained Mire. Yeah. And now there's Sulphurous Mire. So it's like, you know, they form a little triangle or whatever of the use of these words. And whoa oh boy, that's going to be confusing. And honestly, probably lead to some match or some game losses due to deckless misregistration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> like... this card is now legal in like every format. So, you know, if you write it down and then you have a Bloodstained Mire in your deck, the judge has to be like, well, you could be playing Sulphurous Mire, sorry. <laughs> Considering I've seen modern players lose or get game losses for registering 4x 
bolt you know that seems <laughs> that seems yeah. entirely plausible that yeah. yeah that one's that's tough because you definitely could be playing some other bolts oh definitely the white black land is snowfield sinkhole and sinkhole is its own spell yeah this one doesn't sound like anything else though, so i'll give them credit for that one also like yeah since we're talking about the names of these dual lands you know shout out to heuristic studies who on on twitter was like uh wake me up when there's a fjord i'm here for the fjords or whatever like you know yeah at me, <laughs> at me when i can look at the new fjords from the new set and sure enough the blue red common snow duel is volatile fjord which sounds like something you need to be aware of and, and stay the you know bus away yeah stay away from the volatile fjord i just feel that whoever was responsible for naming these must have done a touchdown dance when they realized that there is an entire like largely unexplored space of swamp adjacent terrain in chasm sinkhole tunnel like th this this is uh a new ecosystem that I feel that we haven't really seen that much of. I mean, Coilos, right. Caves of Coilos, maybe, I guess. Anything underground. Yeah, we're used to seeing the swamp described as being like a wet place that's not necessarily flooded. But instead, <laughs> if we're just looking at places that are low, you know, that's... Yeah, like the... Yeah, I hear you. I'm really looking forward to the new, like, possible blue-black duel that is just like, you know, the abyssal plain, you know, the very bottom layer of the, the ocean. Nice. The midnight zone or whatever. Yeah, the Hadean, the aphotic layer. Without wanting to get too deep on this, I'm thinking about it now, and in the real world, I think that swamps are probably the least diverse of the five magic biomes. Like, you can have all kinds of plains and islands and forests and mountains, but swamps, maybe, I don't know, maybe I just haven't seen enough swamps. I think there's different kinds of things that happen in all sorts of different swamps around the world, like, you know, because of other external factors and, like, the climate where that swamp is. But I want to agree with you that you know, it's always just like some sort of bowl-shaped, you know, long flat lake or whatever. Right. Anyway, are these good? Oh, yeah. You can tutor for them. Yeah. Yeah, these seem exciting. I mean, yeah. they, they enter tapped. You know, that is that's that is a significant downside, but being able to to fetch for them. Hmm. Let me tell you what, those old dual lands that you couldn't even get an enemy color one of that were snow duels still got a little bit of play. So I think these are going to be certainly relevant to someone and definitely like important in draft. Probably will end up seeing them played in standard, assuming that the payoff for snow is big enough. But I, I wouldn't yes. be surprised even in modern if there's going to be, you know, these are definitely going to kick out if you were playing a modern deck that was like snow and then it played like one of the off-color duel from red or whatever that you could tutor up. Now now you have a better one. Sorry, you, you, there, you can tutor up any snow land with Into the North. That's what I was thinking. That's why they got played before because the, the other ones are sort of tutorable, but now you can tutor them up with your fetch lands. So maybe we'll see even more of them played. When's the last time snow was in standard? Because the last time we saw snow was Modern Horizons, but that was not standard. So it was right after Time Spiral Block in Cold Snap. It seriously hasn't been since Cold Snap. Wow. Or, sorry, not right after Time Spiral Block, right before Time Spiral Block. It went to Ravnica City of Guild's Descent, or Guild Pack Descension, then Cold Snap, then Time Spiral, I think. But yeah, this was a long time ago. I didn't even work at Yellow Jacket back then. I guess it'll be interesting to see what they print that cares about snow. I mean, so far from that stream the other day, we only saw one card that actually like cares about it unless i'm missing something which was frostbite mm. which is it's basically like a shock or a bolt but it can't go to the face so it's a single red mana snow instant which i don't think we've ever seen before having snow as a super type on spells at least not instants and sorceries yeah i think we've only seen snow permanence before yeah we've seen lands obviously and creatures and then in modern horizons i want to say it was the first time we saw snow enchantments i could be wrong there might have been one in cold snap but anyway frostbite reads it deals two damage to target creature or planeswalker if you control three or more snow permanents it deals three damage instead 
And obviously the lands count as snow permanence. So this is a pretty big payoff. I mean, we saw, you know, the conditional better shock for a creature back in, I want to say Magic Origins or Magic 15 with the Smell Mastery. Mm. Yeah. And that card got a lot of play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one red mana instant. That's a card that people will be looking to play. So there's there's one payoff at least. And also there's a new cycle of snow-covered basics and all of those and the cycle of 10 dual lands have a new card frame with sort of frost creeping in from the edges and it, it looks pretty cool just to clarify a, a new cycle is just like a, a, a reprinting of the snow-covered basics not new ones with new names yeah there's a sorry the snow-covered basics are being reprinted with new art and new card frames and part of the frames is this cool frost effect the same frost effect is also on the new cycle of duels and the spell we just talked about yeah th- this new cool snow frame they've given us probably gonna be on all the snow cards it looks cold yeah the frosty vignetting Mm -hmm. there's also art of frostbite with the planar chaos inverted colors the like the color pie shifting inverted colors or like the when it's like the back half of a double face card and i'm not sure why i don't know why that particular variant of the card frame exists on frostbite is it from a deck oh it's from the promo pack yes okay so it's a special you can get frostbite that looks a little different somehow yeah there's a lot of different special borders in this set yeah everything they they spoiled on this like fancy stream yesterday i think was like there's three versions of everything now yeah not not literally everything but most most things yeah they showed off the okay so there's (laughs) actually you're right so hold on again this does not apply to every single card but among the card frames that we saw the normal card frame the extended wide art card frame that just has the art go to the borders but only around the where the art would normally be the showcase frame which has the gorgeous knot work that we talked about last time that looks super cool then there's the modal double-faced frames which is technically just sort of modifications of ones we've already talked about then there's also full art as in completely borderless stuff for the planeswalkers and the cycle of mythic spells with foretell which we'll talk about in a moment then there's also a variant of the showcase frame if the creature is legendary and there's all the snow ones that, that we saw as well and also at the end of the stream the last thing that they showed off before they signed off was that vorinclex the phyrexian praetor is on kaldheim and Vorinclex's card has its own special Phyrexian variant of the legendary card frame. Oh, and there's sagas too. So many frames to keep in mind. I'm particularly <laughs> surprised that, so I don't know if either of you saw, but Vorinclex was leaked, but it was like a bad photo. And it was like during that time when like, there had only been one or two official previews yet. And that's always, there's always like a couple weeks in there where, you know, the, the magic jokers want to get in and do their best to make a fake card mm-hmm. uh, that people can hype around for whatever positive feelings that brings them. And I've, you know, fallen for several of these before. So this time around, I was like, nah, this probably isn't real. But then sure enough, it was part of the stream yesterday. So this card, we could talk about it for a minute if you like. This looks pretty scary. Yeah, Vorinclex. Clex Monstrous Raider, four green green for a 6-6, six, six. legendary creature Phyrexian Praetor. So Phyrexian is now a subtype, which this is the first we're seeing it. It's got trample and haste. And if you would put one or more counters on a permanent or player, put twice that many of each of those kinds of counters on that permanent or player instead. And if an opponent would put one or more counters on a permanent or player, they put half that many of each of those counters on that permanent or player instead. 
rounded down. I'm still on six six mana six six trample haste. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's pretty good on its own. How does this interact with planeswalkers? When they enter the battlefield, do you put their loyalty counters on them? Yes, I believe so, yeah. All right. So this just also shuts down plus ones. Rounded down, yeah. Yeah, delectable. If you want to put any plus one, plus one counters on your creatures, you need to be putting at least two on at a time when this is in play. Yeah, certainly going to be some feel-bads, I think, with this card. <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't have any shroud or anything, but if your deck doesn't have an answer to it and relies on, you know, plus one, plus one counters to work or whatever, or like needs to play Planeswalkers as removal spells, foreign clex is really bad news. I'm also curious curious like let's conjecture if you would if you would take take guesses phyrexian and praetor as the creature types here do you think any of previous cards are going to end up being errata to be phyrexian that would possibly be a lot of cards and praetor i wonder if they're going to slap that on the praetors from uh new phyrexia sometimes they do that you know like with, with dog went back and mm -hmm. changed creature types was praetor not already a subtype oh maybe it is that's a great Yeah, because I remember there was like, aha, now there are six Praetors because Eben Praetor from way back in Fallen Empires. So yes, Praetor was already a subtype for when the cycle of Praetors showed up in the new Phyrexia set. But I expect, because they normally do, I expect they will go back and go, all these cards are now Phyrexian. Right. Okay, well, thank you for coming to another edition of Nelson Can Read a Creature Type. <laughs> <laughs> also rules question with how does this interact with proliferate does proliferate put on one additional counter right like it does this like shut down proliferate yeah i believe that's yes to both there'll be an faq that comes out obviously that i haven't read so yet. if it's your if it's your proliferate you get double that many and if your opponent tries to proliferate they get none i'm pretty sure this is how this works yeah answering some interesting questions here about why vorinplex got uh shown the door on on uh, Mirrodin. all the other praetors were like man we're just trying to like you know proliferate here and you're you're kind of you're kind of harshing it yeah i don't remember exactly how that shook out i it's clear from now how many of these cards have, have been spoiled unless they've been profoundly careful with it that what people were afraid of is not what's happening which is that it's not like look it's a brand new plane that we've never seen before but it's been taken over by the phyrexians before we've even gotten there it looks like it's just vorinclex and in the story because they have a bunch of web fiction now again the reason that kaya is on kaldheim is that she's basically been hired to kill vorinclex they're like yo we've got some kind of multiverse beast here Let's hire a multiverse assassin. So yeah, it really does seem like Vorinclex is on their own. Okay, well, yeah, I'll believe it when I see the full spoiler and there are just like a bunch of ragers rolling around and taking over town or whatever. I'm mm. always nervous that the rest of the Phyrexians are going to come too. Yeah, definitely. But so far, there's no indication on any other card, even in like the background. Yeah, but remember how many cards apparently had Emrakul on them? Yeah. And, and then we went back and like, oh yeah, so I'm... I don't know. Fair enough. I'm cautious. Yeah. This world of heavy metal, you know, fantasy Norse people seems really sweet. And, you know, I can think of no better uh, fitting turn for the lore masters at Watsi to suddenly turn it into Phyrexia pure or whatever again. I do like speaking of the sort of the heavy metal aspect. I, I like how they've been using showcase frames for the last couple of years. Maybe it hasn't even been that long for the past year, maybe to use that as an opportunity to get more stylized sometimes abstract art onto magic cards again like mm -hmm. i i like that there is a consistency to the art direction for the cards in general 
it's fun when we get to see something maybe a little bit more abstract but generally speaking i like and it's probably better for the game that the art direction is sort of more consistent but i'm so glad that these showcase frames allow for more extreme stylized art because it looks really cool yeah absolutely agree yeah me too i mean it's a bit easier to take this stance this this one's probably going to be a bit more popular akin to the zendikar masterpieces but i remember the Amon cat masterpieces we all kind of had the opposite reaction and it's like you know stepping back and looking at the big picture of all the like weird card frames you know it's it's kind of sweet there's there's going to be your favorite there'll be a little something for everyone you know eventually Mm -hmm. one of the other mechanics that they talked about was boast which they said is about attacking and bragging about it it's similar to raid in that it checks whether or not that creature attacked so raid was like if you attacked if you declared an attacking creature this turn then this creature or spell did a thing boast so far seems to be on creatures only and it cares about whether or not that creature attacked we haven't seen too many of them but i would guess that they are all activated abilities i think we've only seen one or two maybe but well here's the one we know about varagoth blood sky sire is two and a black for a two three demon rogue with death touch and he's got boast and it says for one and a black target player searches their library for a card then shuffles their library and puts that card on top of it activate this ability only if this creature attacked this turn and only once each turn seems like a uh, slam dunk into the rogue deck right <laughs> like yeah which tutor is that i can never keep him straight vampiric vampiric thank you but this one actually can target a player and you mentioned the rogue deck which like you know is a mill deck in standard right now and like mm-hmm. I don't know, you might even possibly just try to, you know, deck destroy your opponent by like attacking, putting whatever card you're afraid of on top of their library and then like hitting them with your wind robber. Well, they they get to, they get to do the searching. Oh, right. They search again. Reading defeats me. <laughs> All right. I'm out. I do. No, come back. <laughs> I do like that. You don't even have to wait for the creature to connect mm-hmm. like you can you can declare attackers and then before even moving to blockers you could activate this this ability all right yeah i'm I'm back i still need to see something weird in this card in commander you can let your opponents tutor yes in in case you want to make friends there you go (laughs) there is something else it can do yeah i'm gonna redeem myself at least in my own mind probably gonna skip reading the comments this week team (laughs) (laughs) That totally makes sense, though, to be like in a commander game. Like, does anyone have a wrath? I don't. Like, yeah, I do. Okay, I tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm yeah, going to attack, and you get to go tutor for your wrath. And then, of course, they like, don't. Yeah, then they were like, "All right, source to plowshares, Varagoth." You're like, "Man, what?" <laughs> but yeah, the showcase frame of Varagoth looks absolutely sick. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in favor of this card. What do we have, 40 or 50 spoilers so far? And we definitely already have a full set's worth of sweet art. Yeah, because mm. of all the different various yeah. things. Because they, they showed off Tybalt, and there's three different versions. Because there's like the normal card frame and the showcase art and the borderless. So it's, it's not actually Tybalt. It's Valky, God of Lies, which is, of course, the Loki of the set, essentially. But it is actually Tybalt in disguise, which is the ultimate lie. It's like, yo, I'm the god of lies. Wait a minute. Even that was a lie. I love that across the multiverse, Tybalt is just a giant a-hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I love that Tybalt started off as like the worst planeswalker ever, you know, famously. And now we have this like amazing card that's a modal double face card that you can pay either two or seven for. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, I feel like it's probably supposed to be in contention for like among the best planeswalkers ever. Do you want to read the abilities, Graham? Yeah. So you can play Tybalt as Valky, God of Lies, for one and a black. And then he's a two one legendary creature god when valky enters the battlefield each opponent reveals their hand for each opponent exile a creature card they revealed this way until valky leaves the battlefield and for x choose a creature card exiled with valky with converted mana cost x and valky becomes a copy of that card so it's a two one for two i mean i don't know which uh, it's like a brain maggot yeah I i was gonna say brain maggot or the older one mesmeric fiend thank you yeah i guess it's more like a reverse pirate that's the other one that was like there's an ixalan mesmeric fiend that's a flying one too i forget what it's called oh kite sail freebooter kite sail yeah so kite sail can't take creatures and this one can only take creatures yeah so everyone reveals their hand you take a creature out until valky leaves the battlefield and then valky can become a copy of it cool but what if you draw valky later in the game well flip him over and you can cast him as tybalt cosmic imposter for five black red for a five loyalty planeswalker seven mana is an awful lot for a planeswalker let's see what he does first of all there's a static ability as tybalt enters the battlefield you get an emblem with you may play cards exiled with tybalt cosmic imposter and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells note that that doesn't have any timing restriction on like as long as you control Tybalt or whatever, it's just because it's because it, it's an emblem that you get. So even if Tybalt dies, you can still cast cards exiled with Tybalt. And this might be a little confusing because both sides can exile stuff. You can't cast stuff with Tybalt that was exiled with Valky because that's a different card. Anyway, card, card names. Yeah. Yes. Plus two. Exile the top card of each player's library. Minus three. Exile target artifact or creature. Minus eight. Exile all cards from all graveyards. Add red, red, red. So comes down with five loyalty. You get the emblem. Goes up to seven loyalty to just exile two random cards, one off your deck and one off theirs. Or goes down to two loyalty, but you take out your opponent's biggest problem and then get to cast it later. Or And then eventually minus eight, and you could get your pick of the litter of anything in graveyards. Yeah, this actually reminds me a lot of Harn. Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. Yeah, this is going to do some stuff in Commander. Karn can hit like any permanent, but the upside on the extra gas you get out of this card is is relevant. Like I think, I feel like Tybalt Cosmic Imposter is sort of in the conversation with Karn and Ugin. Obviously harder to cast, but like the fact that you also get to play it as a two drop, I, I don't know how to value that, right? Like we don't have any other cards where it's like, oh, it's Ugin, but also you can, it's Ugin, but it has Morph right yeah yeah <laughs> like like how good is that that seems crazy good so you know even though the backside of tybalt's like not maybe quite ugin or quite karn or quite james the mouse sculptor or whatever it's still just like this is a very powerful backside and if you you know you can keep this in your hand and play it as a two one for for two with upside like that just seems huge to me even if you just like play some of these expensive planeswalkers that otherwise never really see the light of the day like you know the a garrick from m14 or m15 you know if you could also play garrick as like a three three for three with no other abilities like that that card probably would have seen some play yeah like I, this seems really good 
This seems really good. And this time, unlike what happened with, with Karn, if I open seven of them, I'm not just shipping them for, for nothing <laughs> this time. I'm hanging on to them. Hear that, World? This time, the price of Valky is going to start high and then eventually go low. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I can guarantee it. We've got our, our boy on the inside. Yep. I'm not bitter about that at all. No, I'm over it. Okay, have we done, have we done all the mechanics yet? No, there's one more mechanic, which is foretell, which is not forecast, which is what I thought it was. Pray, tell us about it. <laughs> I will. So this, you, it's funny you mentioned morph. This is kind of like morph for spells, sort of. This set's sounding busted. Yeah, this set sounds ridiculous. So during your turn, you can pay two generic mana and exile a card with foretell face down. And then you can cast it on a later turn for its foretell cost. So a lot of the times it's not actually cheaper. In fact, in some instances, it is more expensive when you combine the two different costs, but it's the sort of the layaway plan. So let's look at a common to start with. So we have Serulf's Packmate. Three in a green for a three, three wolf. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. Yeah, great, sign me up. Three, three for four. ETB draw card, I that's I will I will be playing those in draft. But you can foretell, so you pay two and exile it face down, and then on your next turn, you can pay its foretell cost, which is one in a green. So on turn two, you can play it face down, and then on turn three, you can cast it for two mana and then have another mana left over for something? Maybe? I guess it's better with like a mana dork or something, but you get your three three draw card out on turn three rather than turn four it's just like really good in draft if you're having a tough time hitting your land drops too right yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. another one that they spoiled was behold the multiverse so three in a blue for an instant scry two then draw two cards or you can foretell so you pay two to put it face down and then the foretell cost is one in a blue so this is an instant meaning that you can foretell it at any time you can also do that on your opponent's turn. It doesn't change timing, as far as I'm aware. You don't get to instant speed that wolf. No, it does say on a later turn, for what it's worth, in case you're trying to like manage your mana that you get. I don't know, maybe you have some pre-combat mana from a trigger that you need to spend. Mm -hmm. You can't pay foretell and then also cast it on the same turn, sounds like. Yeah, and the actual card, by the way, is scry two and then draw two cards. I don't know if I actually mentioned that. But so, yeah, you can just sort of be like, if you have nothing to do on turn two, then you can just be like, well, I'm just going to I'm just going to set this card on on layaway. And then on a later turn, you can do multiple things in a turn because you've made this spell cheaper. Yeah, I really like paying two for this. I think I would pay two for this like multiple times in a game. That's how much I like Behold the Multiverse. I think you're going to have to if you want to. Well, I mean, the big one that they showed off was the mythic Alrun's Epiphany. So five blue blue for a sorcery create two one one blue bird creature tokens with flying take an extra turn after this one and exile alrin's epiphany and then the foretell it cost is four blue blue so it's only one cheaper but being able to do it on turn six rather than turn seven is that's a big difference this card seems pretty great mm -hmm. and you yeah. get birds yeah, getting two birds, getting an extra turn, all seems good. I'm a huge fan of extra turn cards. I, I almost sort of want them to stop putting them in standard sets, though. It just seems like dangerous. Like the, you know, the last good extra turn card was a buy a box promo for, was it M18? No, M, 
one of the core sets anyways and it it had a pretty deep effect on standard yeah and led to led to a really repetitive play pattern deck yep no 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 good no bueno that one but the foretell mechanic yeah looks really sweet really fun i like that the cards are face down so you can kind of probably at some point they're going to reveal a flash creature right so just yeah just putting anything into your foretell zone is going to start making your opponent a little wary even if it's mm. like you know a six drop like this epiphany yeah I, i'm really curious to know if there were design limitations on what cards they were willing to print with foretell similarly to the way that they restructured morph in um cons mm. where they said like if it is a morph creature and they have two mana up, it can do this. If they have five up, then these are kind of like what you could expect to see on it. Like, I think it was like any anything that could flip up for less than five couldn't do more than trade with a two-two. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Was one of their broad rules for it. Yeah. Anything that could flip up for less than five wasn't going to be too scary in combat. So far, it seems like all the commons, the foretell cost is two. So maybe that'll be a theme. Maybe all, all the ones that we normally see or or there'll be some rule about like if it if it foretells for you know less than three mana then it can only be x powerful or like the flash creature is gonna gonna have to foretell up for four mana or something like that so we have boast and foretell and snow and sagas and modal double-faced cards and changeling this set seems dense agreed there's a lot going on here mechanically yeah, it's as thick as the ice of Svalbard. Also, I have questions about the, like, uh, diamond-shaped sun on Kaldheim. Or is that, like, not the sun at all? Is that the moon? It shows up in, like, the background of Sarov's Packmate and, let's see, some of the land cards. Arctic Tree Line. Yeah, you can see something in Arctic Tree Line and something in Volatile Fjord. Highland Forest. Like, I, I really love it because I'm a big fan of, like, you know, the Parhelion, Parhelion mm-hmm. uh, sun dogs. You know, the, these little, like, artificial fake suns that show up at, at points around the sun when there are, like, very fine ice crystals suspended in the sky. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I just think this looks cool. It's very distinctive. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, that's a great question. Is that there? Do they have a weird diamond sun? Or maybe that is just because they're... Maybe it's a spherical sun, but there's just so much ice hanging in the air of Kaldheim all the time that it appears in their atmosphere. You can actually get a good look at something also on Serolf's packmate that this wolf is howling at. And I don't know if that's a moon or a star or something. Yeah, I th- You know, I think you're on the right track. I think that just is light refraction because there's just a lot of ice hanging around in Kaldheim's atmosphere. Oh, yeah, yeah. Huh. Really cool detail. Yeah, hmm. that is super neat. I, I haven't been keeping up with the magic story, so I don't know if they've explained it. It seems like the kind of thing that they would acknowledge in like a couple of lines of a magic story and like, yeah, and the diamond-shaped sun. And people are like, <laughs> why did you even comment on that? Of course, all suns are diamond-shaped. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the first one only went up like yesterday, and I haven't had an opportunity to read hmm. it myself. But hey, speaking of things that are diamond-shaped, let's talk a little bit about Nico Aris, because yes. <laughs> there's some some questions that have not been answered yet. So this is another new Planeswalker casting for X, white, blue, blue. Legendary Planeswalker Nico coming in for three loyalty. When Nico Aris enters the battlefield, create X shard tokens. So this is, oh, there we go. Okay, on the normal printing, it actually explains what that is. Okay, <laughs> they're enchantments with 
two generic mana, sacrifice this enchantment, scry one, and draw a card. Okay, so they're enchantment tokens. Sorry, I was looking at the... They're clues. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're basically like leveled up clues. Because I was looking at the borderless Nico art, and it doesn't have the reminder text. So I was like, once a shard token. <laughs> Straight out of the Oko spoiler, right? You know, it's like yeah. create, a, create a food token before we knew what food token for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So plus one, up to one target creature you control can't be blocked this turn. Whenever that creature deals damage this turn, return it to its owner's hand. That's kind of interesting. Minus one, Nico Iris deals two damage to target tapped creature for each card you've drawn this turn. Mm. And minus one, create a shard token. So you can just cast... Nico for three mana and get three loyalty and no shards and then do the plus one minus one or minus one but it also scales so you can cast Nico for a bunch more and then just get shards yeah I really like the cut of Nico's jib this card does a lot of things that I'm interested in doing mm -hmm. and like I read the interview with the card designers on yeah. uh, the wizards wizards website and they had a lot of like they, they talked a lot about like the design space that nico allowed them to play in like nico's story is that they are an athlete from theros who was like had this great destiny about how they would never lose and then threw a match hmm. to see what would happen right to challenge destiny and clothis apparently sent and had like had words with them about that and other planeswalker on call time very far away from Theros, and just the idea that they wanted Nico to be a planeswalker that explored the rarely examined blue mode of tutelage, right? Of like teaching people and exploring everyone's like potential. Mm. I thought was was uh, a very good like blue space to explore. Yeah, neat. Here, go out, be unblockable, deal combat damage to the enemy, and then reflect. You know? Yeah. Come come back to the, come back to hand. We're gonna cast you again. You're gonna take a moment off. Or maybe longer. Maybe you have to take more time because I don't have the mana to recast you right away. It's flavorful. Yeah. Is Nico also I'm trying to scroll through this article too at the same time. Is Nico non-binary? That's correct. Yes. Yes, they are. Yes. Okay, they're non-binary. Cool. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like this card just does a whole lot of like, is this as they say on North 100, is this doing nothing powerfully? <laughs> I mean, this this card does stuff, right? Like it'll it'll blow away an X too. Oh yeah, it will. It'll it'll punch through damage and then get you value off ETB effects. But the minus one of just being like, you know what? I'm gonna reflect on things and then I'm gonna draw some cards, right? I I like that. It's a bit cir circuitous. Minus one and then paying two mana, right? But I like it. I'm in favor. I think if you're going to enjoy this card, you probably want to set yourself up for enjoying it by thinking of it first as a brain geyser. Like it's slow, right? Mm -hmm. But like, you know, the way that Sphinx's revelation kind of rebuilds, you know, this doesn't have flash. But I, to me, the main thing that Nico does is they make you a bunch of cards, right? Like they, they create these shard tokens, you put more mana into that, and then you get to draw lots of cards. And it's sweet that like you, the shard tokens are going to ostensibly just stick around. Also, like, it can make a whole lot of enchantments, so that's probably pretty relevant. Maybe that's the most busted thing you can do with it, is, like, stick it in some sort of enchantress. Oh, constellation deck. Yeah, this is going to be... Like, a whole bunch of constellation triggers, yeah. Or, like, tap for number of enchantments you have, things, like, count anything that counts your number of enchantments. Speaking of North 100, I can't wait to see what Surge says about <laughs> this card as someone who I know loves playing enchantress. I mean, you're not even that bothered if you cast this card for a bunch to just get a ton of shard tokens minus one to kill something with two toughness and then 
Nico dies on your opponent's next attack. Yeah, exactly. Your 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 value is already sunk. Like if, you know, if you put some mana into it, now you have a bunch of shard tokens, and like it's a reasonable rate. Yeah, yeah. like I, I guess Enchantress needed a fireball. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like I could, I I can't really predict how powerful Nico will be. Like whether Nico will make a splash in standard or like be an important part of Enchantress deck. Certainly, Commander. You know, if your deck cares a lot about enchantments and your band, you might want to try it out. But yeah, like judging the power level of this card seems very difficult. It, it's a very different kind of card. Like there's only one other X Planeswalker, I think the uh, the Nissa from Amonkhet. Mm. And uh, yeah, the way her her X ability is like totally different, and her style of card is totally different too. There's a card that I would have talked about earlier during the snow discussion, but there isn't currently an English language printing of it. So I don't know what it's called, but I can tell you a translation of the text. It's tuna green for a snow enchantment, and it's a enchant land, and the enchanted land is snow. And also when it is tapped for mana, its controller adds an additional mana of any color. Yeah, I like how on Scryfall this card is named Gatorade Ice Punch. Yes. <laughs> That's also where I was looking. <laughs> yeah. So it's a snow permanent that turns one of your non-snow permanents into a snow permanent and then also adds mana. So that's cool. Yeah, sweet little enabler. They spoiled another powerful elf as well. I don't know if it was on the same stream. I think so. Elvish Warmaster, one generic and a green for a 2-2 elf warrior. Whenever one or more elves enter the battlefield under your control, create a 1-1 elf warrior creature token. But this ability only triggers once each turn. And for seven, five generic and two green, activated ability. Elves you control get plus two, plus two, and gain death touch until end of turn. Mm -hmm. A lot of random death touch floating around in this set. Yeah, maybe Vorinclex is in for a rough time here. <laughs> right. Everyone's just got poison tip spears waiting for them. Yeah, did did Vorinclex just come to the wrong neighborhood? In the reveal stream, they talked a lot also about the setting and the lore. And it was just sort of, I, I have to admit, feeling a little overwhelmed with just sort of how much they were going into because they're they were talking about how there's the the world tree because again it's all very sort of norse inspired mythology in fact the world tree was literally just spoiled as we were recording so let's talk about that just as an aside real quick it's a land not even legendary really okay so it's a land it enters the battlefield tapped and it taps to add a single green mana as long as you control six or more lands lands you control have tap add one mana of any color so if you have six or more lands then all your lands tap for any color you want and for white white blue blue black black red red green green tap and sacrifice the world tree search your library for any number of gods put them onto the battlefield and shuffle your library yeah seems uh you know the god of damarung i guess is the mm. effect here mm -hmm. it's it's a twilight colored card you know the art sort of twilight yeah wow like non-legendary it's like just another world tree yeah yeah fetch me additional world trees because you can see the branches of the world tree in the background of lots of the cards land especially but lots of the cards that have been spoiled already you can see branches of the tree just in the background everywhere mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm a little disappointed in the mythic spoiler thesaurus normally mythic spoiler th thesaurus is like totally nails it and is amazing and just you know, compares this card to other cards we've seen in magic before and like how they're kind of related but the thesaurus doesn't list door to nothingness which i feel like is a really close cousin of world tree the only other card i can think of with this mana costed activated ability 
door to nothingness if you're curious is just five generic mana artifact enter spellfield tapped and but and then you can pay this and uh sacrifice it and you target player loses the game <laughs> yeah so where I was going with that is that they talked about there's the world tree and then there's the 10 realms of Kaldheim. And each of those realms has basically a magic tribe that lives there. So there's like giants and angels and demons and elves and dwarves. And so there's all of that. There's a 10 of them. But then also in the human realm, which I don't recall the name of offhand, there are five clans of humans as well depending on of course the color and so it's just sort of like this is a lot of how are we going to get like two or three of each of these like it's just I, I mentioned dense earlier it just seems like there's a lot happening this really feels like someone's passion project mm-hmm. like that somebody has been toiling away at this one for years and it's finally like this is someone's D setting right and they just drop a cinder block on the table <laughs> yeah here's my book with all the lore that we've seen and like how how completely fleshed out the world is how long do you think we're waiting until return to call time yeah know if it's if it, it's if it's as hype as this is i mean hopefully we come back soon and hopefully it doesn't just get eaten by phyrexians could you imagine like you've yeah. been working on the setting for like a decade and then they're like oh cool we've been looking for something for the phyrexians to eat thanks <laughs> <laughs> well, at least maybe, you know, maybe Graham will be right. And it's like this set, it's just War on Clex. But then the next set, it's like War on Call Time. And maybe it'll ma- they'll make it last two or three sets or something. Here's the full creature subtype sort of tribal theme list. There's Azorius Spirits, Demir Zombies, Rakdos Berserkers, Gruul Trolls, Selesnia Humans, Orzhov Angels, Is It Giants? Golgari elves, Boros dwarves, and Simic shapeshifters. Cool. So that all sounds great. Yeah, wow, there's a lot going on on Call Time. Yeah, it's a big place. Yeah. I mentioned last week that it's the first time I've seen all the basic land art have humans, have like a scale man. There's like a little man. I wonder if it's the same guy in all the frames, but there's a little guy in the shots to just like really sell the epic scale of everything. Yeah, I, I was not like... I didn't know what to expect going to call time, but this has really impressed me. Also, I just really also wanted to also, 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 I'm just going to repeat also a bunch. I like how Vorinclex stops stories from being told. Right. Mm. The sagas like don't work. Yeah. Your sagas end with Vorinclex out. That's incredibly oh, flavorful. Wow. I, I don't know if that's like deliberate it's or scary not. Scary as hell. Yeah. Right. Like there, there was a card in Alara called i forget what it was called but its flavor text had like the the last line the flavor text said stories recounting it end right and i was just like oh that's cool like it was i think it was a draft bomb it was a mill card of some kind in blue black but oh yeah telemann performance no okay no it was some kind of like big donkey that when it attacked milled 10 cards oh there's a big leviathan that does that yeah it was a big greebly monster of some kind but it had like the baddest flavor text I've ever read. Just utterly unstoppable. So like Vornklex is the end of collective memory. Mm, cool. Give me that. I want, I want, I'll take that in large. <laughs> Nemesis of reason. That's the one. Yes. Yes. I knew I could see it. I could see all the tentacles coming towards me in the art. Leviathan horror. And then last thing just to run down before we sign off for the day is they reveal all of the products and sort of the the ways that Kaldheim is going to be disseminated. So set boosters are back after Zendikar. These are the ones that are designed for cracking. So they will have a 
snow land, either a basic or a dual, could be foil, a rare or a mythic, which could be showcase or borderless, a snow common or uncommon, showcase common or exclusive rare, which is the Realm Walker, a foil card of any rarity, which could be showcase or borderless, a non-foil card of any rarity, which could be showcase or borderless, seven random commons, non-commons, an art card, and then either an add or a card from the list, which has been updated. There's the normal draft boosters that we know and love. There's the collector boosters, which could have a bunch of fancy stuff in them. And there's a whole breakdown of those as well, if you check out the Wizards website. There are the theme boosters that are back. They're sort of like an intro level product. And normally there's five in the different colors. These have th that and a sixth one, which is a, <laughs> it's a Viking booster. Sure, why not? Ed, we're all out of Viking boosters again. Can you get more of just those? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. These are the ones that are 35 cards with mostly commons and uncommons and between one to two rares and mythics. And some of the uncommons could be a showcase card. So there's that. There's two commander decks with the new commander's Lathril, Blade of the Elves, two black green for a 2-3 elf noble with menace. Whenever she deals combat damage to a player, you create that many 1-1 elf warriors and tap 10 elves you control each opponent each opponent loses 10 life and you gain 10 life that sounds like fun the other commander is renar the ever watchful two white blue for a two three spirit warrior with flying and vigilance the first card you foretell each turn costs zero to foretell and whenever you exile one or more cards from your hand and or permanence from the battlefield create a one one white flying spirit creature token that also seems ridiculous so those are the commander decks there's the bundle known years ago as the fat pack so it's got 10 draft boosters, 20 foil basics that are not snow, 20 non-foil basics that are also not snow, a alt art promo that is the alternate art is bundle exclusive, and a an oversized spin down, which looks awesome, like way cooler than their spin downs have been recently. And I believe they're actually physically larger now in the bundles. Yeah, this spin down is actually kind of compelling content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a little bit intimidated by this spin down dice. Yeah, and the pre-release pack, which you can get at the pre-releases, but you'll probably just be buying them from your LGS so that you can open them at home because there probably won't be a pre-release for this. Maybe if you live in, in some parts of Australia or something. Yeah, New Zealand could do in-person pre-releases probably. Wuhan, China, I saw there was like, it was going viral. You, there was a New Year's Eve celebration. So some some parts of the world, you might get to play the Gold Time pre-release. So good luck with that. Mm -hmm. And this one has the spin down too, but in a normal size. Yeah. So yeah. That's everything we know so far about Kaldheim. Presumably by the time you're listening to this, there's already more. But that's what we knew about at time of recording. Anything to add before we sign off? Yeah, I want to talk about one more thing. Sorry, you mentioned Vorinclex stopping Saga. So then I just immediately wanted to say, like, did we mention already that this saga, Binding of the Old Gods in, in Golgari, was carved out of real wood? Oh, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Victor Adame, who has been yeah. in PPR. Yeah. Yeah, our friend Victor Adame Mengas, right? Yeah, on Binding of the, Binding the Old Gods, it's, it's a photograph of an actual piece of real wood that he carved as if he wasn't talented enough already yeah it's so wow. cool so great yeah, yeah that's sweet also the card seems pretty good i don't know hmm. <laughs> four mana for destroy target non-land permanent opponent controls right away slightly more expensive maelstrom pulse but then you also get to go get a forest later mm -hmm. kind of sweet or maybe you could flicker it and rebuy it or whatever so it's kind of cool yeah 
I wanted to mention one more thing completely. I'm, I'm done with call time, though. Did you want Cam? Do you have anything else about call time you want to talk about? That, 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 those were my call time thoughts. I just meant to mention last week or the week before that I really enjoyed the Arena Cube this time around. So if you didn't get to play it, definitely try it next time it's out on Arena. I also played that uh, Supreme Draft. Finally, we had we had done an episode where we talked about Supreme Draft when it was first invented. I want to say back in the summer or the spring. Mm-hmm. And then I finally played Supreme Draft because they were letting you do it for Vintage Cube. And it was weird. Supre- you know, Supreme Draft is a funny, funny animal. A bunch of my packs, you know, you know, it's just like you're you're kind of drafting floating through the ethers. It's like you draft a pack and then and then it's gone. Then you draft another pack. You just do that 18 times. So, you know, you never knew what you were going to get. And you kind of just had to make a decision about what your deck was going to be it was challenging but also just i found it bizarre and strange but then the games were fun because everyone's decks were a bit too overpowered i like to generate magic did you get to play any of the cube either of you i did not the, or the arena one or any of them okay i did and i had fun a couple times and got absolutely dumpstered many more times so you know standard cube experience thumbs up perfect yeah, no, it was it was definitely sweet. All right. Well, if you're looking for a sweet time buying cards, I recommend heading over to cardkingcom forward slash LRR slash your favorite content creator. Ask yeah. for a button. It's going to say Omnath was ejected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this show and everything that we do is brought to you by you and your kind support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run. That was a good segue. I like to feel like I set you up for that. Oh, yes. I couldn't have done it without you. Yeah, you'll know everyone listening, you'll notice all of the best segues of the, the show ever were today. <laughs> <laughs> Even that sentence was the best sentence I've ever spoken in my life. <laughs> uh, this has been a fun time. So thanks, everybody, for listening. I have been Graham, and here with me has been Nelson. I'm going to screw this up, too. And Cameron. Huh? James runs the card reader. Jordan edits these. Heather does podcast admin. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.